is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, you know, folks, uh, this immigration issue is so out of control. There's a there's a study that's been done now by FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform. And in this study, they've done a calculation about you. We, the American people. Half of all Americans now live in sanctuaries protecting immigrants. Half of the American people. Did you vote for this? About half of all Americans, Washington Times, now live under sanctuary policies that shield illegal immigrants from law enforcement. FAIR calculates there were 564 states and municipalities that refused some level of cooperation with federal immigration authorities as of April 1, up more than 200 since President Trump took office, up more than 500 compared to a decade ago. There were just 40 sanctuaries when President Obama took office. Entire states, such as California, Illinois, New York, are now sanctuaries, as well as major cities and counties, such as Fairfax, Virginia, Montgomery County, Maryland, Prince George's counties, and District of Columbia in the capital region, according to the list. Combined, the sanctuaries on FAIR's list cover 49% of the country's population. The Washington Times calculated. 49%. Now, while there's no official definition of sanctuaries, FAIR counted any jurisdiction that bans police or other officials from asking about immigration status, forbids communication with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or refuses to hold likely deportees for pickup by ICE. That's pretty incredible. The surge in sanctuaries began under Obama, with an average of three sanctuaries per month added during his two terms, according to fair statistics. Meanwhile, under President Trump, seeing an average of 16 new sanctuaries each month, despite him fighting this. California looms large on the list. More than 130 of the sanctuaries are in the state, including more than 80 that are new additions to the list, reflecting the anti-Trump sentiment of the West Coast. Some jurisdictions embrace the sanctuary label, such as the District of Columbia. Mayor Muriel Bowser says said he's proud of the work it does to shield immigrants. Fairfax County objects. On their web- website, they say they're not a sanctuary county or sanctuary city, Virginia's largest jurisdiction, but of course it is. And it goes on. The House of Representatives last year passed a bill to crack down on sanctuary cities. But the Senate was unable to clear a Democratic filibuster when the issue came up. Now, I've talked about this in language that I think is appropriate. We have in this country leftist radical areas that have, for purposes of immigration, seceded from the Union. 
They have nullified federal immigration law. And they wrap themselves in humanitarianism. And they did this in violation of federal law. And we have federal judges who uphold this. We have cities that defy federal law. We have states that defy federal law. We have courts that will not allow the federal government, that is the president and the attorney general, to enforce federal law, including threatening cities and states by withholding federal funds, which is a typical way you enforce federal law, by the way. And so in a bigger context, what's going on here? What's going on every day? What's going on every single day around this country? Every single day around this country, the Democrat agenda is enshrined in America's agenda. Even if we don't vote for it. They use the courts. They use the bureaucracy. They use local left-wing city councils and mayors. Very blue states. To advance their agenda. If they can't do it in the federal level, they do it at the state level. They can't do it at the state level. They do it at the local level. They argue two two, uh, contrary arguments at the same time. Power the central government, yet power the states. They argue for different forms of government. Power the people, yet power the bureaucracy and the courts. We live, as I say, in in many respects in a post-constitutional country in a post-constitutional republic. And as I study and research for my next book, and I go in, I'm not talking about it, I'm just saying as I go in and in and in, every single one of the prominent framers of the Constitution, every single one of the prominent delegates to the ratification conventions understood the importance of republicanism. That you couldn't have pure democracy, that would be anarchy, and we don't want people voting on our rights. Our rights are unalienable, remember? And yet, on the other hand, separation of powers was key. Post-Constitution, John Adams wrote a long treatise on this. It became a book, if you want to buy it. He said, that's the key to everything, separation of powers. So what, what are the keys to our republic? Separation of powers under our constitutional republic, right? Federalism, that is a division of power between the central government and the states. And what else? There's another key one. Mobility, individual mobility. If you don't like what's going on in your town or city, you need the freedom to get up and move. Which is, again, a counterweight against centralized control. So how is this being attacked? It's being attacked at every level and in every way. In every level and in every, and we can see it on immigration. They go to the courts when they don't get their way. They take action at the local level if they don't get their way. They take action at the state level if they don't get their way. They take action in Congress if they don't get their way in order to get their way. Absolute anarchy when it comes to our immigration laws as a consequence. And who wins? They win. And if you dare to raise your voice about it, you're a racist. We have every right as a country to protect our culture. Let me be very blunt about this. If we do not protect our culture, we will lose our culture. We have every right to protect our culture. 
We have every right to protect our constitutional system. We have every right to protect our sovereignty. We are a nation state with borders. Hundreds of thousands of men and women have lost their lives to protect our nation state and its borders over the course of two and a half centuries. Every other nation on the face of the earth understands this. But the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest political party in this country, which is the Democrat Party, it's not a majority, but it's the biggest, is the fifth column. It is the cancer on the body politic. Write that one down, Media Matters. It is. When you have a party that has as its mission, as its mission, turning over the institutions, the belief systems, the values, the structures of the country, turning the culture inside out, not through persuasion with the citizenry, but changing the citizenry. Well, then you have a political party that's more dangerous than any foreign enemy we have. Look, I'm going to be very blunt about this. I don't care. The truth is the truth. Our greatest threat today is not a foreign power, although we have many great threats from foreign powers. China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea still. No doubt about it. Very, very dangerous. But the rot from within is a rot that is promoted by a Democrat party. It is a rot that is promoted by a Nancy Pelosi and a Chuck Schumer, by a Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, and on and on down the list. You've seen them on TV. You've heard what they've had to say. We can't even secure our borders. And now half of us live in sanctuaries of one form or another. Sanctuaries. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, uh, when you look around in some of these states, like the, uh, the state that I'm in, Virginia, or you look at a number of states, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and many, many more. Colorado. Immigration has changed these states. From solidly Republican to Democrat, leaning Democrat, or barely Republican. And it amazes me. We're supposed to sit here and pretend that this isn't going on. We're supposed to sit here and pretend that the Democrat Party supports open-ended immigration because they believe in human beings. Because they're compassionate. It's nothing to do with politics, don't you know? It just happens to work out that way. And the more immigration we have, it just seems like the more states are turning. Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Because when you have a massive welfare state getting bigger by the day, And people come here mostly now from the third world. We allowed to use third world anymore? What should we say? I need to get a new book out with all the phrases that we're allowed to use and the phrases we're not allowed to use. The third world. I know it's the third world because they're trying to escape the third world. That when you import more and more people from these countries, from these cultures... 
and you do not have a way of assimilating them anymore, since assimilation is essentially outlawed, that is a recipe for disaster, which is what the Democrats feed on. Disaster. Virginia was a solid Republican state. Now it's almost solidly blue. Didn't even happen in a generation. Happened in about 10, 12 years. Colorado was a solidly Republican state. Now it's mostly blue. That happened in half a decade. Florida was a reliably Republican state. It's not reliably Republican anymore. It's teetering. North Carolina went Republican. But North Carolina is going more and more Democrat now. Even Georgia. Now, I understand the argument that we can win blue-collar voters in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, and so forth and so on. But let's put aside dividing people by their collars, dividing people by their professions, dividing people by their education, by their race, and all the rest. If it would help the Democrat Party to import people from Sweden or Switzerland or or Norway into the United States, that's exactly what they would do. That's exactly what they would do. Now, here's where it gets controversial, although it shouldn't be controversial if you understand history and understand the logic of what I'm going to say. But I understand the left is out to take out people like me. I've said over and over again, and I've written rather extensively now, the progressive movement is an offspring of the Marxist movement, which is an offspring of the Hegelian movement. These are German ideologies. And the end game is, despite all their propaganda in between, is the power of the state. Now, even though Marx said the state would wither away, when Lenin took over, he famously said, Marx never told us how to do this. In other words, how does the state wither away? state never withers away. And yet you need an all-powerful state, according to Marx, according to Hegel, according to the progressives, in order to create a utopian earthly existence. I don't believe they've ever believed it, but that's their propaganda. That the individual must surrender him or herself to the collective. They have really smart people with all kinds of training and wisdom who tell everybody what to do. Now you know what a disaster that is. And yet that's what we're living in more and more around here. We've completely lost control, we the American people, of our immigration system because the Democrat Party has insisted on changing the population. We've completely lost control of our borders because the Democrat Party has insisted on open borders. And of course they have their lackeys in the business community and the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism. They're the fools that fund the left, whether they know it or not. Whether they know it or not. So you and I have seen something extraordinary in the last 10 years. It really has been extraordinary. We saw the rise of the Tea Party movement in 2009 and 2010. That throughout the majority in the House of Representatives, almost throughout the majority in the Senate, and turn the states 
over to the Republicans, overwhelming number of governorships and state legislatures, like the nation has never seen before. A real revolution. The Tea Party revolution. And you weren't done. In 2014, you finally took out the entrenched Democrats in the Senate. And the Senate went for the Republicans. Republican Senate, Republican House, Republican governorships, Republican state legislatures. 1,000 state legislatures went from Democrat, excuse, legislators went from Democrat to Republican. You're doing everything you're supposed to do by the book, by the Constitution. Freedom of association, rallies, protests. The vote, legitimate votes, the local, state, and federal level. And yet, because of the courts, because of the filibuster rule, and because of the bureaucracy, we cannot, we cannot seem to make any headway against what the Democrat Party is doing to this country. I'll be right back. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. Now, I want to hit a few other things, too, here in the first hour, because I think there's a lot on the table. We have this guy, Michael Avenatti. He's all over TV. All over TV. And the media who promote him have done nothing to expose him. They haven't told you anything about this man. They want to know everything about Trump, everything about his family members. They want to know everything about Michael Cohen. They want to know everything about Sean Hannity. They don't want to know anything about Michael Avenatti. Who is he? Who did he used to represent? Has he had any financial issues? And who exactly is paying him? This fellow Mark Penn, a Democrat, a Clinton pollster in the past, has been writing in the Hill, and the man is really remarkable for the guts that he has to stand up. And he says, and we've asked too, who is paying Michael Avenatti? The slip-and-fall porn lawyer. Who's paying Stormy Avenatti? And we know what the Democrats are capable of, right? With Fusion GPS and how they launder money through law firms and lawyers and even get to the Kremlin. Now, he wants to make the discussion, as Mark Penn points out, all about Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, how he got his money and so forth and so on. But we don't know anything about him. Also, where did he get the bank records from? How did he get bank records records of Michael Cohen and apparently other people too? From the beginning, Penn points out, this has been very fishy. Daniel's uh, <clears throat> previous lawyer advised her to stick to her agreements. You see, she signed an agreement, a non-disclosure agreement for which he got $130,000. 
All these uh, media organizations, they're corporations. CNN is a corporation. MSNBC is a corporation owned by bigger corporations, which are owned by yet bigger corporations. And they have individuals sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements all the time. Or if you will, they pay hush money for employees to be quiet when they dismiss them. But Avenatti okayed his client violating her agreement with impunity. On 60 Minutes, Penn points out, despite a binding arbitration judgment against her. And she acknowledged on Twitter that she's not paying her lawyer. So who's paying him? And you know, when you violate a contract like that, there can be penalties applied. Who's paying that or prepared to pay that? Took a long time, writes Penn, and even a court battle to find out that the Clinton campaign and the DNC paid for the Fusion GPS dossier. Fact that was disclosed only after the damage was done. As former British spy and the dossier's compiler, Christopher Steele already created a vast echo chamber. So the material he was peddling had been verified in some way, which of course it wasn't. Now Avenatti's being allowed to repeat the same process, mixing truths with half-truths and evading accountability. And so this week, Stormy Avenatti, the slip-and-fall lawyer, released to the media a report detailing consulting payments to Cohen, and much of it, despite a few errors, verified. Some of it, not. AT&T, Norvartis, and a real estate firm acknowledged having hired the president's personal lawyer for insights on the incoming administration. But Mueller appears to have investigated all this months ago. So it's highly unlikely that the, the theory of uh, Avenatti's pounding away at, that the Russians paid for Daniels, holds any water that Robert Mueller would have, not passed, it would have passed the investigation on the U.S. Attorney in New York. This is something we pointed out minutes after the article was being uh, hyped on websites. Seems that everyone has his or her own theory about where the Daniels payment came from. Giuliani says it came out of the president's monthly retainer. Cohen said he paid for it. Avenatti speculates it comes from a real estate company that that he alleges ties, of course, to Russia. Wall Street Journal published an article suggesting Cohen and his family in 2015 and 2016 were so prescient that he would need money for Trump women that he and his wife were refinancing their homes to build up cash for this purpose possibly defrauding banks, which sounds crazy, doesn't it? New York Times story that Cohen had invested heavily in New York City taxi medallions, and thanks to Uber, those medallions were losing as much as 80% of their value and cash flow. There's a much more logical explanation for Cohen needing cash in that these investments were going south and he needed funds to shore them up or face foreclosure. But this release of a so-called report by the slip-and-fall lawyer Avenatti, also raises the question of where and how did he get this detailed financial information. Because he didn't find it on Google. Now this is the kind of information that would have been known only by the Treasury Department, his banks or by prosecutors, raising some serious questions about what kind of an operation Avenatti is running. Is there a team of people digging this up? Are they paying off sources? Is Fusion GPS involved? Are there political donors behind making this campaign work? He can't be both an attorney and then participate as an officer of the court 
and trafficking illegally obtained information. Now, Avenatti has been given a free, unfettered media perch on TV to spread his stuff without the networks forcing him to meet any disclosure requirements, saying that he's Stormy Daniels' attorney when someone else entirely is paying for his operation. It's not true disclosure that allows the viewer to evaluate the source and potential conflicts. He's now being given deference, as though he's a journalist interested in protecting unverified sources while he makes headline-grabbing pronouncements. Anyway, the mysterious Mr. Avenatti. You know, Jake Tapper's on a book tour hawking his fiction. A lot of conservatives want to be liked by Jake Tapper. I could care less. In my own case, March before last, when I was pointing out these connections, uh, in terms of the... uh, the espionage activity that was taking place and the FISA warrants and so forth and so on. He jumped on the bandwagon about conspiracy theorists and everything. Now, this guy knew me. He knew quite well I wasn't a conspiracy theorist. He had asked me to come on a show many times. I went on a show once or twice. I had him on my show to promote a very good book that he wrote, but not a fiction, a nonfiction about a battle in Afghanistan and so forth. But he turned on a dime. And that told me the man has no soul, no heart, and no principles. I don't seek to make nice with Hollywood figures, with reporters, with anybody else. I take people as they are. Whatever their pedigree, whatever their their work, their line of work, and so forth and so on. Either they're trustworthy or they're not. And he is not. And he is not. And he likes to go on TV and say he doesn't like liars. And as far as he's concerned, that's what he's about, exposing liars. And yet, he's left Mr. Avenatti alone. Because he's not interested in exposing Mr. Avenatti. Nobody at CNN is interested in exposing anything. Now, why is that? Why is that? Of course... There's an ideological tinge to all of them. Jake Tapper, if he would tell his audience the truth, has been a Democrat operative much, much uh, during the early part of his career. But there's another reason, ladies and gentlemen. Remember I said CNN and these other... They're, they're, they're corporations. They're corporations. And John Crudell over at the uh, New York Post is right on. CNN is seeking ratings. CNN has decided, me speaking now, that it doesn't want to be a news operation. It wants to pretend to be a news operation. But to keep trashing Trump is an effort to find a niche for ratings. It's not Fox, it's not MSNBC, so it needs to find a niche for ratings. Straight news wasn't cutting it. Now, by the way, the ratings are collapsing. But they put this in place some time ago, throwing in with the hard left, hiring radical leftists as hosts, Cuomo, Lemon, Stelter, you know, conga line of liberal kooks. And the reason they keep promoting slip and fall Avenatti and Stormy Daniels 
is it's the only thing that keeps their nose above water because they're sinking. It's the only thing that they can hold on to in the middle of the ocean. It was they who pushed hard the professor from Yale who has disappeared from the scene. He was talking about the president's mental state and had conspired with Democrats on Capitol Hill about the 25th Amendment. Luckily, they don't even understand the 25th Amendment. That's how stupid they are, but it doesn't matter. CNN, among others, pushing Jim Comey. CNN, among others, pushing Michael Wolff, the so-called author. What's the line? Any port in a storm. That should be the CNN mission statement. CNN, any port in a storm, particularly Stormy Daniels. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, folks, let's be real. You know, if your big Mother's Day surprise consists of one well-crafted text message, Happy Mother's Day. You really need to go back to the drawing board ASAP. Moms deserve more than just emojis. Emojis. It's a brand new word. Do it right this year and celebrate mom with a special limited time offer from 1-800-Flowers.com. Now, right now, you can take care of all the mothers on your list. 1-800-Flowers will give you 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for only $29.99. Now, that's an offer that mom would approve of, don't you think? With a bright and beautiful mix of premium roses and a rainbow of colors, these blooms are guaranteed to make her smile. Multicolored roses are the perfect way to surprise all the moms in your life. Wife, aunt, sister, grandma, and your mother. These breathtaking roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness. 24 multicolored roses, plus a free vase. For only twenty nine ninety nine, is an amazing offer. But hurry, because it expires today. Today, Thursday, you're out of time. Just pick your delivery date, and 1-800-Flowers will handle the rest. Don't put it off, folks. You put it off, next thing you know, it'll be Sunday. Order today from 1-800-Flowers.com, 1-800-Flowers.com, to order 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for only twenty nine ninety nine. Here's what you do. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click that radio icon, and then type in L-E-V-I-N for Levin. Then you'll get the special deal. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code Levin. Harry, because the offer ends in a few hours. You know, when you're the cleanup hitter like I am at the end of the evening, I got to tell you, it's a few hours and it's done. 1-800-Flowers.com, code Levin, L-E-V-I-N. You can't procrastinate anymore. You got you to gotta jump in there. All right, let's take some calls here. Let's see what people are thinking. Tommy, Detroit, Michigan, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Doing today, sir. Very well, thank you. Um, the reason I call, I wanted to speak on the immigration issue that you spoke about earlier um, in your show. Yes, sir. I, I work for USCIS, that's U.S. Um, immigration and Citizenship Service. Yeah. And I do the green card interviews and I do the citizenship test. Mm-hmm. And, and when you spoke about immigrants voting who should not be voting, they do it all the time. When I do the naturalization test, one of the questions on the naturalization test is, 
have you voted in any federal, state, local elections? And they'll tell you yes. And when you ask them why, they'll say, well, I was just trying to help out Obama, or I was just trying to help out Hillary. Knowing they're supposed to vote, they let them vote anyway. Because when they get a driver's license, they're automatically registered. And they just assume that since they automatically registered, they have the right to vote. Not until they meet us, and we tell them they shouldn't have voted, and we tell them that in order for you to become a U.S. citizen, you have to show proof that you took your name off the register. But you're telling me this is not insignificant. It's, it's a large number of people? Um, on a monthly basis, I might get four or five people who tell me they voted. And mm-hmm. what we do, we send out a request for evidence to them and say, hey, bring us proof that you took your name off the register. But by the time the damage is already done, they already cast their ballot in the vote. They can't take the vote back, but they can take their name off the register and they know for future reference. But by the time they're already a U.S. citizen, you even have green card holders who vote or people who are trying to get green cards who go in and vote. Because once you get a, a driver's license, you just automatically register. And most people just think, I can vote. You register me, I can vote. When you go to the voting booth, they don't ask you if you're a U.S. citizen or not. They just look for your name on the road. Isn't that, you know, that's so outrageous, Tommy. And then yet, if people object and say, we need to have stricter rules in place to prevent it, they said, oh, you just want to stop uh, uh, people from voting. Well, we want to stop people from voting who aren't supposed to vote. Exactly. But, you know, when we take the case to, like, legal, they say, well, that's not a big enough fish or we don't have time for that. Just, you know, send it on through. And unfortunately, we have so many numbers that we have to make per year when we do our immigration and, you know, between green cards and citizenship, it's really hard to deny a case. I mean, and if you're trying to get a green card and you got a criminal history, they have so many different waivers that you can actually get the criminal history excused and we'll still give you a green card. And the one that really gets me, if you, if you come here and you're a male at under the age 18 and you don't sign up for selective service before your 26th birthday, they say, all they got to say, I did not know to sign up for selective service. They could have been here for 15 years and went through high school here, and they still let them get a green card to become a U.S. citizen. This is depressing. It's the truth. When you, see, when you see this, isn't it depressing? It's very much so. It's demoralizing. I mean, because, you know, me, I'm born and raised here, and I went to the middle. I was in the military, and we always ask this question at the end of the um, naturalization test, are you willing to fight for the United States? Are you willing to bear arms for the United States? And a lot of people hesitate and say, well, if I got to, I will. Or if if they need me, I'll do it. And we're like, well, you know, you're, you're asking for the ultimate prize. And there's been cases where, you know, I, and when it really touches me the most is when you have people who have, taking lives from U.S. citizens, and we still make them U.S. citizens. Because they wasn't charged with a manslaughter or a murder charge. They might have been charged with um, leaving the scene of an accident, but yet somebody died in an accident. And then when you look at the actual crime, it's like, well, they didn't get charged with, you know, vehicular manslaughter or some manslaughter charge, and we still let them become U.S. citizens. So it's, it's a lot of problems in that whole process. We're coming to a U.S. citizen, and, and it's a 21-page application. You can get it online. You can look at it yourself. It's called an N-400. And it has all these questions, and it's and we go question for question. We ask them all these questions, and and they say no to them, and then we and we go through the whole kitten caboodle with them, and then next you know they become U.S. citizens. Sometimes the same day, maybe two three days later. And it's probably a rare instance when they don't, right? Well, it's rare when we pull them off the ceremony, but it has to be a, a a real good reason why we pull them off the ceremony. That means that we have missed something, or they. They, when we do the final checks on all of them, we make sure they, they, they told us the truth. And if they didn't tell us the truth, we'll pull them off. And then we'll question why you didn't tell us. And then 
they they have up to the day of the ceremony before they raise their right hand to admit to whatever. And if we see if there's a valid enough reason, we'll send them back to the ceremony. So, okay, you can become a U.S. citizen. Tommy, I can't thank you enough. This is one of the best calls I've had. And uh, because of the information you provided to us, it's enormously frustrating. And thank you for your service in the military, too. God bless you, sir. Very, very frustrating, isn't it? I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, we're all going to die one day, right? Mark, what are you talking about? We're all going to die one day. Some people listening to this program right now are suffering and may not be around very long. Others of us are not suffering, and we don't know when that time's going to come, but the time will come one day. The time will come one day. How do you think you'll conduct yourself when that time comes? If you knew you were dying, you had heart disease or severe diabetes or cancer, if you knew your days were numbered, all of our days are numbered, but if you knew your days were really numbered, how would you conduct yourself? Would you try to settle scores? Would you go away quietly? What would you do? Now, I'm not going to get into issues related to my family. Not right now. But there are members of my family who are quite ill. I'll just leave it at that. And they conduct themselves with class. With class. Want to talk to family. Want to talk about little things, stories. I don't want to be misunderstood here and be taken out of context. But I'm really quite appalled at the way John McCain is conducting himself, despite what his daughter says. I'm not attacking him in any way, but he's making public pronouncements. He's got things in his book. He's got an HBO thing coming. He did an audio for his book. And he obviously feels it's crucially important to get all this information out there, his contempt for Trump, uh, whatever it is. But there was one thing he did that I thought was especially mean. And that was his comments about his running mate, Sarah Palin, 
who has been nothing but loyal to him, even when conservatives have criticized her about her loyalty to him. And I don't say this as a special pleader to Sarah Palin. I just cringed when I saw what he wrote. And I thought to myself, why did you do that? Why, why would you do that to somebody? Now, there's a piece. Uh, she did an interview Sarah Palin with the Daily Mail, and there's a piece, and uh, I'm looking at it, Washington Examiner. It says, Sarah Palin broke her silence today. It said Senator John McCain never told her directly that he regrets picking her as his running mate as the 2008 Republican presidential nominee. But the former Alaska governor said every time she hears about the reports of his bitterness towards her, it's, quote, like a perpetual gut punch, unquote. Exactly. Exactly. To treat another person this way? She said, it's not a real fun thing that part of my job is the requirement is having to read the news every day, Palin said in an interview with the Daily Mail. Instead, Palin insisted... It is the people around McCain who have changed his mind about her. She said, that's not what Senator McCain has told me all these years, as he's apologized to me repeatedly for the people who ran his campaign, some who now staff MSNBC. He's talking about, she's talking about people like Nicole Wallace, who is really a uh, loathsome human being. The newsroom there, which tells you a lot, she added. I don't know unless I heard it from John McCain myself. Now, McCain is 81. He's recovering from treatment for his brain cancer, has been sharing snippets from his forthcoming memoir, The Restless Wave, including an adage about how he regrets picking Palin as his running mate in 2008. Palin said, I don't know all the details of his condition right now. It happens to me also where people speak for me, and a bell is rung, and, and you can't unring the bell, she said. In spite of everything... That has erupted in these past days with his spokesperson, or perhaps he himself, saying that he regrets that they chose me to run on their ticket, she said. Despite all that, he has been my friend. He has been my friend. Um, he came out against the CIA nominee, questioning her you know her 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 refusal to to state that uh, the enhanced interrogation was immoral and urged people to vote against her i don't know mr producer i think i would conduct myself quite differently first of all i wouldn't be focused on politics at all i wouldn't be focused on doing an audio for my book either i wouldn't be focused on an hbo special Rather than focusing on the uh, posthumous nature of things, I would be focusing on the here and now. Uh, it, and, of course, the, the, uh, the left media is just loving this stuff. They also revealed that after he voted down the quasi-repeal, we'll call it, of the Obamacare law, he was the one who saved it. He got a call from Barack Obama thanking him. Thanking him. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I don't thank him for that. My family doesn't thank him for that. The people suffering in this country and Obamacare, they don't thank Senator McCain for that. The people who can't afford Obamacare, which has driven up their costs, they don't thank McCain for that. People who are having less than quality health care as a result of Obamacare, they don't thank McCain for that. But Obama's happy because it's all about him and all about politics when it comes to Obama. Now, this is a tough subject to tackle, of course. No matter what you say, you will be attacked. Senator Hatch the other day, uh, when he read that John McCain was not going to invite or allow Donald Trump to come to his funeral, said that was ridiculous. He was quickly admonished by Meghan McCain. It seems to me that if people want to respectfully engage the comments that the senator is making, that there's nothing wrong with that at this point. It's not disrespectful to disagree with the senator. Even now, since the senator is very active in his pronouncements. As again, as long as it's done respectfully and done with the right intention. So I just wanted to point that out. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You're not hearing much about Eric Schneiderman these days, are you? Remember him, the former attorney general in New York who likes choking women and slapping them with an open hand so hard that he causes their ears to bleed. Remember him? How he demeans and degrades women. We're not hearing a lot about him. Certainly not in the rest of the country, maybe in New York City. Why is that? Why is it that we hear more about Michael Avenatti than we do about Eric Schneiderman? Eric Schneiderman was the darling of the left. He was the darling of the media. And why was he the darling of the left and the darling of the media? Because he's another funnel through which the left could pour their hate against Trump. He was conspiring with Mueller to try and figure out state criminal activities so the statute of limits, excuse me, so the president couldn't pardon. Diabolical man. Diabolical man. Now, we all know, just because we have a sixth sense about these things and experience, It's not possible that a man could beat women like this and it not be known within democratic circles. It's not possible. Mr. Producer, would you make a, uh, it'll be an attempt, but probably in vain, to invite the governor of New York on the program, please? Not the Chris Cuomo, the stupid one on CNN, the stupid one who's the governor. Okay, I I know they get confusing. Are there any more Cuomos out there, by the way? What the hell are they doing out there? I don't even know. But anyway, um, let's see if we can get the governor on. Governor's out there posturing now. He wants a special prosecutor. He doesn't trust Cyrus Vance, whose father, by the way, worked in the Carter administration. But we don't hear a lot about Schneiderman anymore. We don't hear a lot about Elliot Spitzer. And, of course, Wiener and his Wiener are in prison. Aren't they? I believe they are. 
Let us go to Jim, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA. Go. Yeah, uh, Mark, This I just wanted to talk to you about California and the fact that I haven't heard uh, anybody mention that these guys are real clever. They're allowing a sanctuary state because they get more money. They get more congressmen. And why aren't the other states screaming bloody murder? Okay, first of all, we, we even did almost a whole show on this. Uh, and the issue of whether, long time ago, the issue of whether or not, uh, under the census, people who are not here legally, let alone citizens, should be counted for the purposes of uh, of apportionment. Why aren't the other states? How do I know? I don't represent the other states. Maybe a lot of the blue states agree with this. Maybe a lot of the blue states are doing the same damn thing. Oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how we get this stuff under control because it's totally out of our hands at this point, isn't it? Absolutely. It's incredible. In I'm... fact, you want to hear this? There's about a dozen Republican members right now, about a dozen Republican members of the House of Representatives who are demanding that the Speaker of the House um, reignite, we'll call it that, or trigger this issue of the Dreamers and have a vote on it again. This is the problem. The problem is we have those types of Republicans. You know, let's get 60 Republicans in the Senate. That'll fix things. No, it won't. I don't care if we have 100 of them. You're still going to have these, these, uh, these, these throw-off types who go, uh, who go rogue. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Israel, in Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Okay. Okay, so, talk uh... right into the mouthpiece so I can understand you. Okay, so we must dem- we must take something a page out of the liberal handbook, and that is we must demonstrate and make re- you know organize rallies. We want borders. We want immigration. You, you must have missed the Tea Party protests. Were you part of those? How old are you? Tea Party. I'm How old are you? Were you in any of the Tea Party uh, events? No, I was never there. I don't know why it uh, petered out, but. It hasn't petered out. It elected uh, Donald Trump president, and number two was, t- was Ted Cruz. But all that said, um, we did all that. Okay, yes. But we've got to shove it down there uh, blank uh, now because— All right, all right. I, I, and people get upset when I do that. Who, who, who do you mean by we? We, the, the true conservatives. Not, okay, not... are you leading this movement? Do you have a phone number or something where everyone can call? Okay. So I don't have the resources, monetary. You don't need any resources. These people on the left, they organize. They don't have anything, but they still organize. I disagree. You see, here's, here's the problem, Israel. When people call me and say, we need to do this and we need to do that, that tells me it is never going to get done. Because after you're done hanging up the phone, you're going to go off and have dinner. Could I, could I tell you something? This guy Avenatti, from the beginning, I knew he was paid off. He's paid off by guys like George Soros and all these... Low well, we don't know who's paying them, but I'd like to know. No question about it. But what- All right, sir. Thank you for your call. All right. Tom, Woodbridge, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yes. Uh, just wanted to basically, as your producer, put it in a nutshell. All right, all, right, all right. Listen to me. You're on the air. Talk to me. Go ahead. Exactly. What we're seeing left here is, in fact, being done elsewhere. You made a comment earlier about no other countries doing it. Actually, it is happening. Uh, they're trying to fight it, and that's why there was such a turnaround. Oh, well, no other countries doing what? Italian uh, bite. No, no other countries doing what? Destroying itself. Importing all these people. 
My wife is Italian. I was a naval officer sta- uh, stationed there. We no, I said back. no other country denies it's the fact that it is a nation state and has borders. Yeah, that's true, except that they're destroying it from within. Just to tell you what happened this past year, I was there, we're watching every day as these sub-Saharan Africans coming through Libya, landing on the beaches in Italy, and it was just a crisis for the last several years, ever since Muammar Gaddafi. We go in, knock out Gaddafi. I know that. I know that. And we try, and Italy actually tried to stop it and failed. Yes, but here's the thing. Here's We don't try to stop anything. I understand, but they're not either. No, they're, not they're, now. Italy's a small country. They're overwhelmed. I understand, but it's some of the politicians. Please let me finish. What happened this summer when I'm talking with my sister-in-law and her boyfriend, who is a private sector dentist, he goes, oh, it's worse than you think, hands me the cell phone. I look at his cell phone, and I look, and I come back to him, speaking in Italian, because I speak the language. I said, did I translate this correctly? And he said, yes. Well, let me tell you what happened. They're Sir, I've been waiting for five minutes for you to tell us what happened. Go ahead. The Italian people have been saying, stop this. You've got to stop this. And the president of the camera, which is the, their equivalent of the Speaker of the House, turned to the people and said, no, we need to bring more of these people here in order to help realize the European Union's dream of, of a multi-ethnic, multi-religious Europe. What she just did was give the double middle finger to the Italian people saying, I don't work for you, I work for Brussels. And those kind of politicians is why recently we just saw a major turnaround and the most conservative government elected in Italy for a long time. Our left is calling it racism. The reality is they never reported what's been going on over there. Well, actually, we knew what's going on over there, but I had not heard what you just said. But we saw scenes where the where the Italian military was trying to stop Syrians from coming in, um, Libyans from coming in, but the numbers were so overwhelming they couldn't stop them. Yes, and the and Brussels and others have caused this for them. The French, the U, UK, and us went in. Cause... Why do I care who's caused it? Why does it even matter to me? These countries are being overwhelmed. There are some countries that do stop it, like the East European countries, like Hungary, like Poland. They say, no, we're not taking it, and they don't take it. Have you noticed? Yes, and I'm all for them. The W4 is tough, but internally Italy has this battle because, like I said, as the Italian people said, do this, just like Pelosi, this left-wing socialist came out and said, no, we need to bring more of them in. They are basically saying, we're going to destroy our cultures and create a one-world society. They are exactly like our Democrat Party. They're, they're on the same page trying to do the same thing. I don't doubt it. Very good call. I appreciate it. I don't doubt it. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Did I mention, by the way, that I will be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel in two hours at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So I'll see you on Fox, the Fox News Channel, in two hours. Hope you'll check it out. I will be flying from my bunker my radio bunker to my TV bunker to do the program. So I hope you'll join us. You know, more than a million children became victims of identity theft in 2017. And families paid $540 million out of pocket to cover the cost of the fraud. 
Kids' identities are worth tons on the black market. Why? Because thieves open accounts and parents don't find out for years, often only when they apply for financial aid for college. It's very, very troubling, and it is ubiquitous at this point. With school and medical records now digitized and even young kids routinely online, the risk is growing faster than ever. But you don't need to worry. You can protect your family right now with My ID Care. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, including child ID theft with great family plans. And they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. That's the difference between My ID Care from the other guys, all of the other guys. You need top tier identity recovery, and they stand by it with their guarantee. You and your kids need protection, and you need My ID Care. My ID Care has been in business a long time protecting major corporations, and certainly recently it decided to protect people like you and me. And that's why uh, they're our new sponsor when it comes to theft protection and ID protection for you. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. That's myidcare.com slash mark. Or call their brand new toll-free number that we set up, 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084 or myidcare slash mark. Mike Pence was on the Today Show. Can't get him on my show. Not that I'm begging. That we're not going to do. But I wanted him on my show to talk about Iran, and instead he, he went on NBC. I don't, I don't get that thinking, but that's okay. And, uh, of course, he's there with Andrea Mitchell. And Andrea Mitchell hates everyone in this administration. She can barely contain herself. Maybe that's what I need to do. Anyway, hat tip Washington Free Beacon. Cut one, go. Bob Mueller, you knew him. He must have briefed you when you were a member of Congress. He's a Marine. He's a lifelong Republican. Now, let, let, let's stop. He's a Marine. He's a lifelong Republican. They hate the Marines and they hate Republicans. Since when does Andrea Mitchell like the Marines and like Republicans? So this isn't a question. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is intended to be a trap. She doesn't just ask a question. He's a Marine. He's a lifelong Republican. Uh Uh-oh. I guess I'm not allowed to disagree with him then. Go ahead. Do you think he can be trusted? Do you think he's a bad guy? Our administration has been fully cooperating with the special counsel. Do you think his investigation is a hoax? You see, she can't let him finish. They would never do this to Obama. They would sit there, stare in his eyes, a loving gaze, hang on every word. They would do the same thing with Castro, the same thing with Mugabe. This is how the left is. Comes to Pence, they have no respect for him whatsoever. Go ahead. We'll continue to. What I think is that uh, it's been uh, about a year since this investigation began. Uh, Our administration has provided over a million documents. We fully cooperated in it. And in the interest of the country, I think it's time to wrap it up. And I would very respectfully encourage the special counsel and his team to, to, to bring their work to completion. Oh, my God. Can you believe such language? Has he just ensnared himself in obstruction? 
Is he trying to influence the investigation? Is he trying to pressure the prosecutor? A lifelong Republican and a a Marine? Is that what he's doing? Is that what Mike Pence is up to? Go ahead. You now have the president's lawyer getting millions of dollars from companies that he says he can get access, including one company. Wow, that's never happened before. Lawyers getting money for access. Lawyers getting money to lobby. Remember John Boehner? He turned on a dime. All of a sudden, he's a pothead. Trent Lott's out there lobbying for a Russian bank. Never happened. Democrats galore. Same damn thing. It's disgusting. But in the case of Michael Cohen, it's particularly upsetting, you see. Doesn't that trouble you, Mr. Vice President? Yes, yes. She's not talking about Iran. She's not talking about North Korea. She's not talking about the hostages being released. No. Not talking about 3.9% unemployment. No, no. Go ahead. Russian connection. Is that draining the swamp? All right, stop. Is that draining the swamp? See, she's mocking. She's dim-witted, but she's mocking. Is that draining the swamp? Well, what does that have to do with Trump? That's Michael Cohen. And you don't care about draining the swamp. You don't care about the Marines. You don't care about Republicans. Go ahead. What I can say is that that private matter is something I don't have any knowledge about. And I think the White House issued a statement saying the same. I would just encourage the White House president, vice president, to stop doing these interviews. I'm not sure why they do them. You're not making any ground with these people. They're going to despise you no matter what. They're in the gotcha mode. They want you done. They want you out. They want you killed off. Don't you see? Meanwhile, the base is yearning to hear from you. I don't get it. There's all kinds of alternative media platforms. You know, Ronald Reagan would have killed for talk radio. He would have killed for conservative talk radio. There was no conservative talk. There were hosts here and there, but nothing like it is today. And trust me, as somebody who worked in his 76 campaign and his 80 campaign and eight years for the president, let me tell you something. He never had a Mark Levin, a Sean Hannity, a Rush Limbaugh. He never had any of us on a national scale. Do you think he would have avoided us to talk to Andrea Mitchell? I don't understand it. Or forget about avoiding us. Don't you think they'd want their message of conservatism to resonate? It's not going to resonate on MSNBC or NBC with Andrea Mitchell. She's a hit man, a hit woman, whatever. Then she brings in this, this, this diabolical puke from California by the name of Eric Swalwell. He's everywhere. He's on MSLSD. He's everywhere, this guy. He's the Lindsey Graham of the Democrat Party. Cut to go. We never got an answer to the question of whether he thinks it's a hoax, but he, he's saying for the first time that he should wrap it up, that it's been a year. And I think that this is sort of the leading edge of what we're going to begin No, let's to stop. No, she's supposed to be a reporter. You see how friendly she is with the Democrat? Completely different tone with the Democrat. And now she's asking the Democrat to crit- critique the vice president. MSNBC. Do the people in the Trump administration understand nobody is watching Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC? Do they understand that? Apparently not. Go ahead. 
Extremely irresponsible for somebody who should know better uh, to, you know, try and influence the special counsel's campaign. They're still well. That's very interesting. The special counsel's campaign. He misspoke, but he spoke the truth. The campaign against Trump. So it's irresponsible. This loathsome thigh rash can go on TV and say whatever he wants. That's not obstruction. That's not this. That's a. But the vice president says really something that everybody's thinking. At least many. That's extremely irresponsible. Go ahead. Under every rock you pick up, out of every tree that you shake, a Russian falls out. So now still listen to this Russian. guy. Listen to this guy. He's a nut. A Russian falls out? Every tree you shake, a Russian falls out? He is a nut. He should be a host on MSLSD. Or maybe even a reporter. Or maybe he can replace Jake Tapper. On CNN. Go ahead. Failure to come clean. You've seen guilty pleas. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Now, then they bring on this guy, Richard Blumenthal, the guy who fought in Vietnam but did not, the guy who lied his way into the attorney generalship in Connecticut. And apparently the majority in Connecticut said, you know, we like this guy. And so they made him uh, a senator. And he's on CNN yesterday. And remember, Jake Tapper says he hates liars. And yet they keep bringing Richard Blumenthal on. Apparently they like some liars. There's Wolf Blitzer. I think Wolf Blitzer retired like 10 years ago, but nobody told him. What is this guy's appeal, Wolf Blitzer? And who the hell names their son Wolf anyway? Go ahead. Does it sound to you, Senator? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Let's start from the top. Go ahead. Does it sound to you, Senator, like a possible influence peddling? Does it go further with the Russian connections to... Wow, now that's not a loaded leading question, is it, lady? Hey, does it... He's breathless, too. Like he has one lung. Hey, does it, does it sound to you, uh, Senator? He's asking Richard Blumenthal, of all people. I'd rather ask a, uh, a drunk on the street. Does it sound to you, Senator, like a possible influence peddling? And does it go further with the Russian connections to possible collusion? Say yes, please, please. Go ahead. Possible collusion. It certainly enhances the likelihood of evidence of collusion. Doesn't this guy sound like some guy in a raincoat on the corner in Manhattan somewhere? Selling bubblegum. Doesn't it sound that way to you, Mr. Bedouce? Doesn't he sound that way to you? This guy is... Hey, fella, come here. Look what I have for you. You want to buy this? Oh, it's a brand new spanking Rolex. Yes. Look at this. Made in America. Made a, look, brand new spanking Rolex. You want one? Yeah, yeah. Hurry up. How much is it? Three bucks. Give me three bucks. Go ahead. It's pieces of a mo- mosaic establishing it's collusion. It's uh, pieces of a mosaic. And uh, you see, this is the mosaic of collusion with the Russians. It's a mosaic... And uh, it's a piece here and a piece there. And next thing you know, you, you have a mosaic. Go ahead. With the Russians. And these pieces are very powerful evidence. The involvement of an oligarch, not just any oligarch. And The oligarch's not involved, you schmo. By the way, can I see your uh, service medals again? And your ribbons. Can you show that to the nation? What's his name? Blumenthal. By the way. 
you never had parties with Schneider, did you? I'm just curious. Are you a Schneider guy, too? Mark Lovin. Good news, folks. Hillsdale College is offering their free online Constitution 101 course again, but only for a limited time. So register right away at levinforhillsdale.com. Hillsdale is the authority on teaching the Constitution. You can take the course based on the same curriculum that Hillsdale students use, taught by the same amazing professors. Close to one million people have registered, and if you haven't, you really should. You know, this research I'm I'm about to share doesn't apply to my listeners, of course, but did you know one in three Americans can't name a single right protected by the First Amendment? The First Amendment. And only 25% can name all three branches of government. But get this, 33% can't name any branch of the government, not even one. Look, we need to help make sure that our fellow Americans understand not just those facts, but our constitutional rights, too. Constitution 101 provides you... The perfect overview. So register at levinforhillsdale.com, and you'll even get a free pocket constitution just for signing up. And you have to know liberty to defend liberty. And that's what Hillsdale College is all about. levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. President of the United States, his foreign policy has been absolutely outstanding. I can't think of a single significant falter. He said we're going to take out ISIS, and ISIS is 2% of what it was. Obama's sitting there hemming and talking, well, you know, this way, that way, you know, and uh, did nothing. He inherits the situation in North Korea, and he builds up the military threat on that peninsula, says what needs to be said, taking on a tyrant, And, of course, he's attacked by the left. Meanwhile, the tyrant appears to be buckling. Time will tell. We need to be very careful because they played their games before. This is the third generation of the uh, Soviet-style Stalinist regime there. But look, building up the United States military. He is supportive of our allies as our allies are supportive of him. Democrats still attacking him. They're still attacking him. And look at North Korea. They let three hostages out. Now, by the way, they killed one, too. Let's not forget that young man who came back to the United States brain dead. That's the real face of the regime. That's the real face of the regime. But, uh, I mean, he has done, the president, when it comes to foreign policy, I think anybody who is objective and honest, which means you can't be a liberal or a Democrat, he's done a fantastic job. Susan, Nogal, New Mexico, XM Satellite, a Democrat. Go. Oh, Mr. Levin, thank you very much. And I'm going to talk like the Federal Express man. I live in New Mexico, as you know. I'm only 100, about 130 miles from the Texas-Old Mexico border. Um, I, see, I see illegals crossing all the time. Mm-hmm. But we allow it. And I'm going to tell you a story. There is a small town called Palomas, Mexico. Mm -hmm. They walk to the gate, 
load their kids on a bus on the American side, and they're educated in America from kindergarten to high school. Mm-hmm. That's been going on for many, many, many years. I do have to say that Governor Susanna Martinez has done fairly well at curbing this issue. We have five, excuse me, four or five racetracks in New Mexico. Who do you think they employ to clean the crap out of the horse stalls and hand walk the racehorses? What do you think when Border Patrol comes up here to our little town and does a, a raid? Somebody tips them off, and they all climb over the fence. That's a true story because I was a racehorse trainer. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to stop until the money flow stops. How do you cut that off? You let our president do his job. I am bitterly ashamed of every Democrat that I know. Every single one that talks the smack and the trash that they do. I'm 63 years old. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I went to Obama's inauguration. I was one of the ones that stood out there amongst all those people waving those little flags. I thought there was going to be a change. Yeah, there was a change okay. Yeah. All they did was laugh at us. Donald Trump is a leader. He is a businessman. He is embarrassed. He has embarrassed everybody in Washington, D.C., because he can run circles around them mentally. And one thing I want to say, what he's doing, hold your friends close, but hold your enemies closer. He's going to let... He's going to let uh, Rocket Man and Putin and everybody get into that little circle, and then he's going to snare them. And if anybody. All right, that- Susan, I have to go. Excellent, excellent call. Really good. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. By the way, I will see you tonight, I hope, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. 6.30 p.m. Pacific on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. So the President of the United States rightly withdraws from this disastrous Iran deal. And so now the Democrats, you know, this reminds me of, and on occasion I make this parallel or this reference. Those of you who are familiar with the movie The Bridge on the River Kwai, I think it came out in 1957, my birth year. But if you're not, go ahead and Google it. Alec Guinness is this colonel. It's a British colonel. I think it's Colonel Nicholson. And they're POWs of the Japanese. And the Japanese were brutal. And so they direct them to build this bridge across the River Kwai. And Alec Guinness, playing this Colonel Nicholson, He really gets into it. It becomes a passion for him. He even abuses his own men, working them to the bone. 
And it's a bridge that is built to hold a train, you know, because the Japanese want to move soldiers, troops, across this river through train transport. And Alec Guinness, that is Colonel Nicholson, is told by another colonel, you're to blow it up. When the Japanese train transport is on the bridge, blow it up. And he won't blow it up. Do you know why he won't blow it up? He fell in love with the bridge. He was invested in the bridge. And then there's a dramatic scene where I, I'm trying to recollect like where I believe he shot and he falls on the, on the plunger that blows up the bridge, whatever. But the point is, this is where the Democrats are with the Iran deal. It's their bridge over the river, on the River Kwai. It's their bridge on the River Kwai. And despite the fact that it is demonstrably a disaster, they don't care. And they're saying the most outrageous things. The most outrageous things. I told you at the beginning of the show, the Democrat Party is a very evil force right now. It's in the hands of radical leftist progressives. There's no moderating taking place, none whatsoever. It's a battle of leftists. It's like the fight after the Russian Revolution, 1917, with Trotsky and Stalin, among others. Lenin, near death at one point, warns his aides about Stalin. He doesn't trust him any longer. Trotsky has to escape Russia for uh, South America. Stalin sends his assassins down there and they murder Trotsky. I believe they hung him on a meat hook or whatever they did to him. So for the Democrat Party, it's a matter of fighting among themselves on the hard left. It's like the Democrat Party in California. There's no real statewide competition among Republicans and Democrats. So the battle's in the primary. The battle's within the party. Like any other one-party state, one-party government. And so the Iran deal, what we find, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to say this, is the Democrats are siding with the regime in Iran against our government, against the Arab states, and against Israel. Give you a perfect example. Here is Nancy Pelosi, barely literate, barely competent at this stage. Cut four. Go. It's really hard to explain to anyone why they think it's a good idea uh, to reject this agreement. It's hard to explain to anyone, ladies and gentlemen, why we should reject this agreement. Anyone. Because Nancy's so smart. Go ahead. It's an agreement that said uh, that Iran would not have a nuclear weapon for a number of years, possibly ever. That is a lie. And she damn well knows it. That at the end of the deal in seven years, they're off to the races. What is She's just a liar. This doesn't curb them at all. They didn't have to take out one nuclear site. They continue with their ICBMs. 
Jake Tapper, you say you don't like liars. Get on the case there, brother. You're such a fraud. Go ahead. In terms of the language of the agreement. Without the agreement, Iran was on the path to have a nuclear weapon in one or two years. Uh, actually, Iran was on the path to economic disaster. The sanctions were working. Go ahead. So to those who keep saying this is important for us to stop them from getting a weapon way down the road, you have just given them license to go forward in a year or two. No, 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 no. Well, that's not what they're doing. They're working out with the Europeans trying to figure out what to do. That's not what they're doing. That is not what they're doing. And by the way, Nancy, may I call you Nancy? Remember that little trip you took to Syria? I'm sure Jake Tapper's all over this. Remember that? Oh, yeah, to undermine another Republican president. I remember that. You were so wrong about that. You remember meeting with that genocidal maniac, Nancy? Nancy, wrong all the time. Syria. Go ahead. Making the world a more dangerous place. Making. Now, a- shut up, you idiot. It's time to retire. Term limits. She should have been term limited 50 years ago. And that there she is. Now, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, he's very, very important. He has a press conference today. In fact, he has 10 a day. Cut five, go. The decision the president made this week to renege on the Iranian nuclear deal. Now, look, look, they sound like propagandists for the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, right? Don't they? Do these sound like people who love our country? Do these sound like people who love our country? These even sound like Americans? The uh, decision we made to renege today on the deal. uh, Go ahead makes Iran's nuclear program now more likely to be... Does it even sound like they're encouraging the Iranians to start their nuclear program? Doesn't that sound like what Schiff is saying? Doesn't that sound like Pelosi saying? Please, we need a talking point in the midterm elections. Please. Go. It means that the nuclear deal over time is more likely to unravel, and Iran may go back to pursuit of highly enriched uranium. It enables us to put our sanctions in place. It enables us to work uh, to devise uh, intelligent strategies and other strategies to uh, keep this regime in a box. And they act like there's some status quo. The only status quo going on here is Iran is on the move. Their party, their man, their Obama gave them $150 billion, or all these other countries did, poured into this regime not for their economic activity, not for their people, but for their military. For their military. They are special pleaders for Iran. It's incredible. Forget about what the Gulf, the Arab Gulf states say. Forget about what Israel says. Forget about what the United States says. No. And it's almost like they're encouraging Iran. Please, start your nukes. Start your nukes. Start your nukes. So we have a talking point. Go ahead. A nuclear weapon. That prospect has now increased with the president's action. Well, listen, Iran was always going to get a nuclear weapon under this deal in seven years, eight years, nine years, which is a nanosecond when it comes to time. Go ahead. Uh, this is particularly- ah, forget it. I'm getting a headache with this clown. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to go to one of the most famous former plagiarists in history who serves on the little committee there the that the uh, morning schmo and mrs schmo pull together their little Politburo, if you will in the past it's included a sexual harasser a serial sexual harasser it's included a plagiarist it's included others 
And then, of course, there's the morning schmo, the banjo playing from Deliverance, and Mrs. Schmo, an offspring of Zbigniew Brzezinski. Let's go to Mike Barnacle. Cut six, go. Donald Trump consistently thinks about one thing each and every day himself. Mm-hmm. And so now here we are. Hey, plagiarist. You are a sick man. And by the way, the mm-hmm, that was Shmika. Mm-hmm. The Ed McMahon of the show. With all the guttural noises. And by the way. Look what Trump's done with ISIS. Look what he's done with Iran. Look what he's done with North Korea. Look what he's doing with China and so forth and so on. How dare this man who's accomplished nothing, who's done nothing in his life, certainly not uniquely, make comments like this. With that phony former congressman sitting there, with that W.C. Fields bogus nose that he's got, and Mika Brzezinski. Incredible. Go ahead. He's uh, torn up TPP. Uh, he's torn up NAFTA pretty much. He's trying to erase any image or memory of Barack Obama as president. And he takes the Iran Accord and tosses that out. It's no accident, Joe, that we haven't mentioned this yet this morning. It's no accident that yesterday from mobile missile sites in Syria, Iran fired rockets. Into- hey, dummy, plagiarist. The Israelis wanted to get rid of this deal. Do you think the Israelis wanted to get rid of this deal so the Iranians would shoot missiles into their cities? Do you realize how stupid you are? Do you really have to be this stupid to be on MSNBC? The whole lineup. Rachel Maddow. Hey, guys. Chris Matthews. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? One after the other. One after the other. Barnum and Bailey. What? They need are a few elephants on there. Oh, they do? They already have a few elephants on there. Well, what? 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 All right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Okay. Here's a story. We're just kind of bouncing around a little bit today. Didn't want to be ultra heavy, but this is pretty heavy. David Goodall. David Goodall, a scientist who's living in Australia, was 104 years old up till today. He ended his life in Switzerland. He chose to end his life at a clinic, a right to die clinic. The, as it's written here, let's see, I'd like to give credit, BBC. The lauded London-born ecologist and botanist who was not terminally ill said the decision had been driven by his deteriorating quality of life. Mr. Goodall had flown from Australia for his assisted suicide, attracting the attention of the people around the world. Shortly before his death, he said he was happy to end his life. My life has been rather poor for the past year or so, and I'm very happy to end it, he said, surrounded by several family members. All the publicity that this has been receiving can only, I think, help the cause of euthanasia for the elderly, which I want. He died peacefully at uh, 1230 at the Life Cycle Clinic in Basel from infusion barbiturate. 
He was visibly uh, frustrated by the process of formal paperwork. Uh, In fact, his last words were, this is taking an awfully long time. He'd lived on his his own in a small flat, excuse me, in Perth, Western Australia, until only a few weeks before his trip to Switzerland. He stepped back from the full-time employment in 1979, but was still working part-time up to the age of 102 in 2016. He resented having to leave Australia in his life. Uh, He arrived in Basel on Monday after visiting relatives in France and spent his final full day exploring the Basel University Botanic Gardens with three of his grandchildren. At a press conference yesterday, he said he was surprised by the public interest in the case, and he added, I no longer want to continue life. One wants to, at my age, even rather less than my age, to be free to choose death when the death is at an appropriate time. He wanted no funeral, requested that his body be donated to medicine, or his ashes sprinkled locally. And so there you have it. Now, why do I pose this sort of thing? I pose this sort of thing because it can get out of hand. That's why I pose this sort of thing. It can get out of hand. And everything seems to get out of hand. Something might seem rational at the time, but I don't know anything that doesn't get out of hand. And what do I mean get out of hand? I mean it goes from people personally volunteering and saying this is something I want to do through their own free will and then it's flipped to well the cost to society people living this age with these ailments and so forth and so on uh, is just too high so while they may not you know shoot a needle into somebody's arm they may deny them uh, life-saving measures and quality of life measures that's my concern the people who want to live that's my concern as for the terminally ill <clears throat> i've gone back and forth on that i've gone back and forth on that in some states in the united states uh if you're terminally ill uh, they permit assisted uh, dying or euthanasia. Oregon, Washington, Vermont, Montana, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Washington, D.C., under certain circumstances, and parts of Canada, too. But I do get concerned that this thing can get out of hand, and then we get into um, not just people making a choice about it, but government making choice for people and withholding services and care. And we've even heard some talk like this, haven't we? During the debate over Obamacare, we heard a lot of talk like this. And they tried to quickly, you know, sweep it under the rug. But there was discussion like this. And, of course, the advocates of Obamacare, they didn't want, they didn't want to have any discussions about it once it became known that some people, it may have even been Ron Emanuel's, Emmanuel, his brother, but I, I, I don't recall, and I don't want to pin it on him if I don't have it right. So but, but that's my recollection. And so uh, this is, I, I guess for this individual, it's an individual choice. But I, I am concerned about the consequences. And I know libertarians are, hey, where are you? hey, man, it's your body. I got it. 
But the problem is when it comes to government, so often government doesn't look at it that way. Sherry, Billings, Montana, quickly, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Go. I am so disgusted with Nancy Pelosi, and she is an embarrassment to good women everywhere. She does not stand for me. She does not speak for me. And I thank God every day that Trump is president. I thank But, Sherry, God. I think she speaks for the Iranians, doesn't she? Oh, my God. Well, she doesn't speak for me. I think the whole Democrat Party speaks for the Iranians at this point. All right, my friend, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. You know, it's no secret that I love my Casper mattress. My family has Casper mattresses. They love them, too. You know, their engineers have done a marvelous job creating an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. It's made falling into bed a whole new experience. Get it, Casper, and you'll understand why it's not just my favorite mattress. It's the Internet's, too. Casper has three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. The Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The original Casper is more breathable and comfortable than ever. And the essential is innovation at a great price point. All mattresses are designed to coddle and comfort your every move. Plus, provide the perfect support for every position you sleep in. Discover why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like me. Try your Casper mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash mark, then use code mark, and you'll save $50 on the purchase of your select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark, then use code mark to save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. See the site for details. Mary, Santa Cruz, California, the great K-I-O-N. Go! Hi, Mark. Regarding physician-assisted suicide, you are quite right. In Belgium, they are there have a uh, nation-state-sanctioned law which allows physician-assisted suicide. I believe starting at the age of 14, and it takes two to three doctors to sign off. And I'm not even sure if the parents are allowed to have mm. any input. Um, I was quite surprised. I read a very well-researched article about two years ago, and I have followed up on it, and it's already happening in Belgium. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're talking 14, 15-year-olds with manic depression. It's a bit controversial there. However, it's a done deal. So you're right. It is already out of I just think the... The appreciation of life in this country, you know, when we talk about babies in the womb as choices and Planned Parenthood must be funded under all circumstances and so forth, there is, a, uh, there is an element, more than an element, there is, a, there is a significant presence in this country that just doesn't treat life the way life ought to be treated. And it's so very- it concerns me. So thank you for all you do, and you are right. It is already out of hand. All right. Thank you for your call. Let us continue, shall we? 
Eric, San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Go. Mark, returning to the topic of uh, the the uh, Iran deal, and you're quite correct. It certainly is a deal, but it should have been a treaty. And I yes. guess that's the, the foundation principle that, uh, that I have a, a problem with trying mm-hmm. to understand why it is that the Democrats somehow or another are going against their oath of office to pre- preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Well, you're quite right. They- and it's not just Democrats. It's Republicans, too. I mean, Bob Corker and Mitch McConnell in the shadows where he likes to lurk, uh, they're the ones that set this up so Obama could get his deal. They, they set it up so he can get his deal when they vote against it, and they think they fool us. They didn't fool us. And, in fact, wasn't it a congressman, I forget which one, who wrote to the Iranian government saying, hey, this is an executive order. The next president could reverse it. That's right. And that's exactly what it was. Yeah. All right, my and, friend. Well, well said. You're right on. Harry, Queens, New York, the great WABC. Go. Yes, Mark. Good evening. Good evening. Very good evening to you, Mark. Um, good this evening. Is, I'm going to be very short. With yes. reference to um fraudulent vote, um, I don't think people regard it as very serious in the sense that uh, it nullifies the citizens' vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the big question is, could you, <laughs> outside of this country, which other country could you leave this country and go and uh, show up and vote uh, in their system? I don't know of any. Uh, Right, and um, as, a matter of, as a matter of fact, I know some places that um, it's something like this, people, you know, some parts of the world, they take violent measures for it. I mean, it's so serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, just uh, we approach it very, very, um, you know, cavalier, right? You know? No, you're right. Cavalier, but, you know, the, you've got a political party that's uh, uh, heavily invested in this, the Democrat Party. They don't care how they get their votes as long as they get them. Of the um of the, the country, I agree. I mean, the country, you know, you know. I mean, you um foreigner intervening in the um in the electioneering process of um of a country. I, mm-hmm. I that is um that is undermining the country, the very fabric of the country. Mm-hmm. No, you're <laughs> quite right. All right, my friend. Appreciate your excellent call. Let's continue. Will. Fresno, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. How you doing, Mark? Appreciate you taking my call. Thank you, uh, sir. First I, yes. Um, first, I want to remind you, I'm the guy you gave the first book of uh, Maritopia to. And wow, that's a long get, time ago. Yeah, it was. And I never did get my daughter to read it. Now she's married a conservative, so I gave it back, gave it to him, and maybe he can get her to read it. <laughs> well, it worked out, regardless. <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, I wanted to say, um, Candace Owen and um, the rapper, I don't know why, oh, Kanye West, yes. they're saying to um, black Americans exactly what I've been saying, being a black man myself, yeah. um, that uh, what needs to be said to them. And the Democratic Party is going to need a lot more illegals in this country to vote for, for the uh, replacements. When mm-hmm. we finally wake up and quit voting for them, mm-hmm. you think and we will wake up? Thing. You think our neighbors and fellow citizens will wake up and quit voting for them? Yes, meaning black Americans need to stop voting for a Democratic Party, like Candace Owens is saying. I'm really, I'm really uh, thankful for her. She's getting word out. Uh, She's a, in a wonderful very good young way. lady. 
young, wonderful young lady, very brave and very, really intelligent. So is her dad, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah. I, it makes me feel good. It gives me hope. So, um, but I want to appreciate, I appreciate what you're doing and uh, keep up the good work. And I am uh, also a 20-year veteran from the Navy. That's wonderful. That Thank you very much. Appreciate your service. Hanid, San Jose, California, 870, The Answer, KRLA. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Mark. Uh, first time caller. I just wanted to say these days, last two or three days, we have had millions of people praying for uh, President Trump's health, for his family's well-being, and mm -hmm. we are very, very happy with what he did. I tell you, last two or three days, there are a lot of big things just happening in one, mainly... Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything uh, like a war between Iran and uh, United States, uh, regardless of what Nancy Pelosi or people of uh, left here are talking about. Uh, President Trump understood, and he's understanding exactly how to really get rid of this regime, and that's with money. Mm -hmm. What is happening last two months, ever since they have talked about uh, uh, leaving the uh, agreement, uh, the Iranian dollar to Iranian money to dollar exchange was about 4300 It It fell off the, the table, before, right? The day before yesterday was about 10000 to a dollar. Yeah. So what is happening, you're already talking about 60%, 70% devaluation of their dollar. So mm -hmm. that's going to create a lot of problems because most of the investment people are going to, uh, they were going to have anyone is going to fly out. Well, listen to me. Listen to me. I think this is Trump's intention and his national security advisor. I don't know this personally and his secretary of state, among others. And that is to drive out this regime economically to choke it off economically the way Reagan did the Soviet Union. I think that's their plan. Happening. That's what is Saudi Arabia is keep pumping the oil in order to keep the prices down so Iranian government does not get that much money. So the same thing is happening. But this time, President uh, Trump put on top of it, put this restriction. Now they're going to lose a lot of money. So the day before yesterday, just to give you an example, uh, the electronic stores, they didn't sell the iPads. They didn't sell the, the computers because they didn't know what the exchange rate is going to be. If they sell it today for $100, tomorrow they have to go buy it for $150. So it's a big chaos. They don't know what to do. They don't know what they have to do. But I'm hoping President Trump keep them uh, under pressure, and I'm 100% he's going to be successful. But what bothers me the most, people like uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, they have never talked to me. They have never talked to any Iranians. They have a uh, there is a uh, lobby from uh, revolutionary because they don't they don't care about the Iranian people. It's the Iranian government they stand with. They're correct. What I'm saying is they have a big uh, revolutionary guard, guard uh, a big lobbyist in uh, Washington D.C. They spend money on uh, uh, Democrats like water, and they believe, all right, my they friend. You make excellent points, excellent points. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and 
ladies and gentlemen, Levinites all, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, tonight, about 40, 45 minutes away, I will be on the Fox News Channel with Sean Hannity. Don't miss it. I'll be flying from this bunker to the other bunker, from the radio bunker to the TV studio bunker, my bunkers. And I hope you'll watch us. All right. Let's take the callers, shall we? We've had a number of good callers, as a matter of fact. Frank, Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Yes, Frank, go. Hi, Mark. First time caller. Thank you for taking my call. I'll be brief. Thank you. Uh, As to your comments earlier about the things that Senator McCain said about Sarah Palin, I was very sad about that. And my comment is, is that if people look back at the campaign, if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have had uh, even... Uh, he would have had less of a campaign if it hadn't been for her and uh, him, uh, her bringing uh, his base up to where he could even possibly compete. And so I'm just sorry uh, in his uh, later hours here and with his health failing and everything that he had to make such comments uh, about her. It, it was very uh, sad for me to hear that. Why, why do you think he would do this now? Does it make even any uh, sense to you? To me, there's a hidden agenda there, and I and I gotta say, um, with with the things that he has done, just based on what I've heard this year alone, I I, I think there's some other things that are that are to it that he may have been working uh, uh, with. I mean, he almost sounds like a Democrat, um, and I, I just think there's more to it than that. Uh, uh, I I don't understand why. It, to me, there's no call for it, and especially when you're close to being on your deathbed and those are the, I also agree with you with your comments earlier today when you talked about if there was someone that that's dying, these are not the things that I would be trying to get out. Uh, when my father uh, was dying, we didn't talk about that. We just remembered all the good times that we had and we wanted family close and, uh, and that was it. And then, and then we just enjoyed each other as a family. I, I've never seen anything like this, and I certainly wouldn't be thinking the way uh, that Senator McCain is thinking. And I'm, I'm, I'm just sorry that, uh, that uh, Sarah Palin is getting the treatment that is completely undeserved. It really is awful. It's so mean. I mean, um, she never did anything to him. She never did anything to him other than support him and has supported him right up to this day. Yes, sir. And she always treated him with respect, as she even did in her comments that she made after hearing the things that uh, John McCain said in his book. She still uh, uh, commented on it graciously. And uh, even you could tell by her comments that she was a bit taken back by it. And I'm I'm just sorry to to, to see that. And uh, it's just awful to me. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. You know, uh, are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right person to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. 
Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter free. That's right. Absolutely free. Here's what you do. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's it. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It truly is. Lee, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer. Go. Our once and future national treasure. Thank you for what you do. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I have, I mean, I have, I, you know, with the, number one, I just want to say very quickly, I have one comment and I have a question for you. Donald Trump, for, to me, especially since this Iran, the courage that he's shown and the smarts about this Iran deal, he is revealing himself to be a great man, considering... <laughs> I, I'm ag- I agree. I mean... People can say what they want, and I know the dead-enders at MSNBC and CNN and the never-Trumpers are going to be laughing at what we're saying. But, I mean, this guy's running circles around people. He really is, and he's the courage and the, and the, and the fortitude and, you know, and what he's doing. The question that I have for you is, I, I truly do not understand the progressives. I, well, I realize all they're interested in is maintaining power. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, power. But what do they do? They even consider what would happen if they enable Iran to simply develop, distribute rogue, rogue nukes all over to bad actors. What do they think is going to happen to them? Do they really think they're going to be uh, safe? I I just think they're so you know people get so obsessed and they're so obsessed with their ideology that they dismiss it. They don't even think it's a possibility. They just want power, power, and more power. It, it, it's like a, uh, it, it, it's a, 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 a pathology, almost, don't you think? Yes. I mean, it's, it's like a virus. It's like dope. It's, yeah, they're zealots. They're zealots in suits. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you for your wonderful call. I appreciate it. George, Kissimmee, Florida, the great WSKY. Go. Yeah, good morning. Afternoon, Mark. Uh, just a quick comment. And good evening to you, a, sir. All right. Uh, evening. Uh, the price of a barrel of oil regarding Iran. I watched a guy on CNBC one morning, and a very knowledgeable guy. He pointed out that if the price of a barrel of oil is $55 or less, Iran actually has to take money out of their pocket to get fuel for their country. Otherwise, they don't make the, – the price of a barrel of oil for them is 55 bucks. So anything above 55 bucks, they're making money and they don't have to dip into their own treasury. So I've never I've never really understood why, you know, as a point of view, why don't we try to keep the price of a barrel of oil at fifty five, fifty six dollars if we can? I mean, it's a world product. Yeah, we can't we can't control the price of fuel like that. And plus, our country isn't built that way where a president can send out an edict to all the companies small, large, independent, and otherwise, and tell them what prices to charge. Oh, no, no, I understand that. But at the same time, you can put pressure uh, through... I think that's what the president's trying to do. If you ruin the currency, uh, then it almost doesn't even matter what the price of oil is. They're not going to be able to afford very much. Well, but... George, I got to go. I apologize. That music means I got to dance. Ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll be on Hannity, Fox News Channel in 30 minutes. I hope you'll catch up with us. Don't miss our Levin TV. It's a really good one tonight. 
And I'll see you on the radio tomorrow. God bless.